Good morning. Good morning. There we go. Yeah, I hope you don't like hear that and go, what are we doing today? Uh, demolished, crushed, all these things do not sound like a positive start to a new year, right? We want happy, joyous, pick me up, and I promise you, we'll get there. But hey, I want to share something with you before we pray and dive in today. I had a cool special moment with my oldest son, Jonathan, this weekend. Uh, my wife and I, when we put our boys to bed every night, we read uh, part of the Bible with our boys. Uh, and so Jonathan loves to know what we're doing in here because he loves to be a part of our church family and he wants to know what is happening. And so he found out I was preaching today and he goes, what are you teaching on? And I told him Malachi chapter one. He's like, would you read that to me? And I was like, because uh, I was like, man, when you, if you haven't read it yet, wait till we get into it. It's not really a child thing. And so, uh, but I was like, well, I'll do it anyway. So he can be a part of what we're doing this morning together. And so he looks at me on Friday night after we're done reading it. And he goes, hey, dad, would you preach for my Bible? I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, would you preach for my Bible? And I was like, well, let me think about it. It's a Saturday night, we're putting him to bed, reading our Bible, and he, he goes, Dad, would you preach from my Bible? And I was like, you know what, buddy, I'll happily preach from your Bible. And so I have my son's Bible with me today, yeah. preaching from it. But I think it's so cool, because this is the beauty of one way to show a, a simple way of I love you, but it's also the beautiful way of God using children to remind us of things, right, as we do this. Because even though some Sunday services, they're over on the other part of the building, they're still here with us, right, worshiping the same God in the same way. And it's just a beautiful thing. So along that sentimental note, let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this time we do have together. And God, we do thank you for the heart of children. God, they can teach us so much about you and help us see so much about you. And God, just help us be people of your word. Love your word so much that we want to spend time in it. So God, I just thank you for that and thank you that you're here with us today. In your name, amen. So we are starting a new series to kick off this year in Malachi, as you just found out. And the whole idea behind this is worship worthy of God. And that's what we're going to put is the phrase for this series. And this week is a huge foundation for where we're about to go the rest of this month of January. And a big question comes right at the beginning of the book. So if you have your Bibles with you, I would love for you to open up with me to the book of Malachi chapter 1. If you don't know where that is, go to the New Testament. If you know where that is, find the book of Matthew and then go back one book, okay? Because it's the very last book of the Old Testament. So I'd love for you to join me there so we can dig in together. So in this, starting in verse 2, we get an answer right away. God is not holding back through the prophet Malachi. He's already kicking into gear what he wants to, to teach them, what he wants to speak to them and say to them. And he says, I have always loved you. Pretty simple statement, right? I have always loved you. Now, why this is important 
is we have to know our Bible. And this is a group of Israel. Going all the way back to the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, he picks a person named Abraham to lead the way and say, you are my chosen people. And then from there, a set of individuals become a part of that plan. And then eventually you get to the second book of the Bible called Exodus. And then it turns into a nation, not just a person. And so then these people leave Egypt, thanks to God, and they're leaving, exiting, as thus the title of the book, and they go off on their own with lots of leaders, prophets, people speaking to them, encouraging them, trying to remind them of who God is, and they have this crazy roller coaster. One minute they're in love with God and obeying God, and yes, we'll forever listen to you, and the next minute they're like, Who's God? Where is God? Why God? Don't believe in God. I'm not going to follow God. And then you have this crazy like book after book, right? And there's even a point where they get taken away by another group of people. And then finally at this point, for whatever reason, they're like, we're sorry. We love you. Take us back, you know? And he's like, all right, I will. And then he does. And then the whole cycle starts over. Who's God? Does he love us? And then you just start battling us, and then they get taken away again. They're like, but we love you. Forgive us, right? Anybody ever a roller coaster like that with God? No one in the room except me. That makes me feel really lonely. There we go. There's some hands. Because the truth is, we all have relational roller coasters with God, right? We have good days, we have bad days. We have really high moments with God where God can do anything. And then we have really low days where is God even there? Does he really know me? Why would he put me through this, right? And so it's interesting, verse 2, I have always loved you. And then they respond, really? How have you loved us? It's interesting that the book starts with that, and actually the book will be affected the rest of the way through because of those two statements. Everything in this book will flow through this idea that God has always loved us, but people are the ones that question it. And the scary thing is that question to that statement will affect how you live your life. It will actually even affect, when you walk through these doors, how you will respond on a Sunday morning. It will affect, when you leave this room, how you will live in Shelbyville or whatever community you live in and came from. Because the core question of life is do we really believe God loves us and not just loves us, but he's always loved us. I have this joke on staff. I call it the pendulum of life where everything seems to be an extreme in our lives, right? Like in the church, there's a lot of extremes that one minute we're over here and then the church has to go way over here to like readjust on a topic and then we swing back because we thought oh we went too far and then we got to swing back and over the years when you look at church history there's a ton of swinging trying to figure out theology all these different things and 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 it happens the same with this we have our super really good 
days that God can do anything. God is amazing. We're going to come in here on a Sunday. Some of you today were even like belting it out because you are in a really good place with God and life and all that. And then there's some of us that enter the room today or that on the complete other side of life, and I'm going to say it completely sucks. And you're wondering, where is God? Does God really love me? Does God even notice me? Does God really even know I'm there? Why would he put me through this? All these statements we add when we're in these seasons, right? And through life, we all swing that swing, right? We have our really good days, and then all of a sudden we have a really bad day or a bad season. And that affects how we come in here. That affects how we live out there. It affects how we spend time with God, if we spend time with God. It affects everything in our life to respond to that question. But here's the interesting thing I've learned. A lot of people will draw, when they draw this kind of idea, they'll draw it and then they'll bring it down here, right? And then they'll draw a line in the middle like, this is it. I don't believe there's a this is it line in the middle of any worldly life Christian pendulum. I believe there's a gap of health. And what I mean by that is here is where God lives. Here's the real God, not the God we might start making up or want to make up or should or shouldn't be because of where we're at in life, but the God of the Bible that's really here who always loves us no matter what. And the reason I say it's not a fine, like, complete line is because there are days that we will literally have really good days. And so we move past that line a little bit, but we don't go to the extreme of like, boom, over here. We stay in the healthy zone of God always loves me, and today is amazing, but I'm going to stay in this location with God. And then there's days where it might stink a lot, but we don't want to go to the extreme either on that and say, God isn't here, God doesn't love me, God doesn't hear me, God doesn't know me, all those things that we seem to struggle with when we live in this reality. But we can move. And say, today's not really a good day, God. But here's what I know when I live in the healthy middle. He always loves me. Because the truth is, God's love is not based off our circumstances. God's love is always God's love. And he's always loved us no matter what but the the trick in life is how we respond to that and that leads us through the rest of this book in our series of worship worthy of God because our worship comes out of what we believe of God and we see that as we read a little bit ago you see this transition of I picked Esau not you or I picked you not Esau and he goes through and tells all these things that will happen to Esau now here's the scary part like when we read the Bible we hear these kind of things especially people that don't believe yet they hear these things like why would I follow a God like this 
He's choosing people. He has a chosen group. Like he's going to destroy one group of people, but let another people go by. Like, why would I follow that God? Why would I worship that God? Why would I believe in that God? And in all reality, there is some truth to struggle with that. But here's the truth. That's not the point of what God's making it. He's not trying to brag or rip apart another group of people. What he is saying, I have chosen you. You want to know how much I love you? I've chosen you. I've always chosen you. I've always loved you. Always. And it doesn't matter of your roller coaster of the Old Testament. I've always loved you. And the truth is, I always will. And even though this is written to Israel... We can know that today because the rest of the New Testament gives us that truth that God has always loved us. And if you want to know, if you're in your book, turn to the next book, Matthew, and see the story of Jesus and see how much God loves you that he sent his son for you. But he didn't just send his son for you. He sent it to complete his love so you always know you're loved. And the New Testament even tells us we're chosen. If you believe in God, if you have a relationship with God, you are chosen. And because you are chosen, you are loved. See, the beauty is, I have this name, right, Lee Willis. Really, it's Junior, because I copied my dad. Well, I didn't copy him. They made me copy him. But anyways, that's a whole other story. But my actual name's Lee Willis Junior, right? But then at some point, I made the decision to have a relationship with God and, and make him my father, right? And choose him to be my father. And thus, my name went from Lee Willis Junior to Lee Willis Junior, son of God. And you get to put your name in there and then you put daughter or son of God. Why? Because he's always loved you and he chose you. And because he chose you and he's always loved you, you are now his child. But the question is, how do we respond to that? And that's where it gets tricky. Because when we say we know it, but we don't live it with our heart, it's hard to fully bring the best to God. And that's where our next part of this text comes, is this idea of unworthy sacrifices. But before we get there, I don't want to miss this. Verse 5, we read it today. Even when you see the destruction for yourselves, you will say truly the Lord's greatness reaches far beyond Israel's borders. The beauty, again, is this is not about our circumstances. God will be known no matter what. 
God will be known no matter what. Thank God for that. Because if it was based on our humanness, oh, folks, probably some of us wouldn't be in this room today if humans were just humans, right? But the truth is, Israel, and we need to hear this today, we want to be a part of it. My prayer is we want to be a part. I mean, we talk about going into our community, right, and impacting our community and seeing more people come to know him and have a relationship with him, more people coming and being baptized, you know, at our celebrations, all those things. Well, that happens by our response to his love. But the problem is Israel's response, because they said, really, how have you loved us, changed how they responded to God. And so it says this, the Lord of heaven's army says to the priests, that's scary. A son honors his father and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name. But you ask... How have we shown contempt for your name? You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. All ties back into the beginning. I have always loved you. Really? And then you see their response. It's not the best. Here's what's scary though to me. I have this title called pastor. I don't know how many of you realize some days how much pressure it feels to have just that title on you because of the expectations and, and the weight of that some days. And, and it could be heavy. But the reason I believe it's heavy is because we as staff, those that lead a church, no matter what your title is. We are to be that example for those that come. God is looking at us to be an example, and you see that here, that they are not being an example. Why? Because they don't 100% believe that God has always loved them. And so they've questioned it, and even the priests have questioned it. So guess what? If the priests are questioning it, why wouldn't the people question it? And if the priests aren't giving God their best, why should the people give their best? And that's scary to me. I take that as a very real thing. Not because I'm God or want to be God or want to compare myself to God. That's not what I mean. I want to honor God with my life. And my hope is, based on how I live my life, especially because I'm a part of the student ministries, students will want to love God because I love God. And students will want to be in their Bible because I'm in my Bible. And students will want to pray because I'm praying. And students will want to be in community because I'm in community. what's scary is if I'm not in a good place why should I expect them to be but here's the beauty of God to take some of that burden off God still works no matter my humanness God still grows his church no matter the humanness of pastors 
And I thank God daily for that one. Because sadly, we're all human. And sadly, we make mistakes. And sadly, there are days we preach or lead music or lead kids or lead students and we're not really 100% there because of whatever's happening in our life and we're sitting on that swing and we don't always know how to get back to that healthy spot. But yet God, for some reason, in all of his majesty, still works. And people are still saved. People still are baptized. People are still knowing him, even in the midst of humans. Here's the reality. He deserves our best. Why? Because he loves us. There's nothing more simple than that. When we come in these doors, we're not singing because we feel like it. We're not singing because we want to. We're singing because he deserves it. We're praying because he deserves it. We're in the Bible because he deserves it. Because he is worthy of our worship. He even talks about this in verse 8. He goes on to say as he's questioning all these priests and their behavior. Try giving that to the governor and see how he's pleased. Like, we might not fully comprehend that because governors back then were a bigger deal than they are today in the sense of a lot of authority and stuff in our lives. But think about this with your boss or your coach or whatever sport you're in or choir, band. Like They don't want your second best. They want your best. Some of it's because they want to see your potential, Right? But some of it, they want to win. And if you don't bring your best, you ain't winning. Especially if that other person brings their best, right? Or if you're playing in the band and you're not bringing your best, you're going to hear it. I played trumpet for a little bit, like a year. And I brought my best because I actually enjoyed it for a season. But man, if I wasn't bringing my best, the rest of the band, you could tell. There was a moment that I think is super awesome that I share with last service. Because Passion's going right now. If you've ever heard of Passion Conference down in Atlanta, Georgia. Right now, the Mercedes-Benz, where the Atlanta Falcons play, they, they're, they're, they're packed out with students and leaders and all that stuff to worship God for a couple of days. And I got to go to one of the first ones in Atlanta. And, and that time, it was before they destroyed the last Falcon Stadium. And so the goal was to fill the stadium, and we did that year. Over 60,000 of us there just rocking out, worshiping, listening to speakers, growing, all that stuff. Well, on New Year's Eve night, Louie and his team were like, hey, why don't we go outside, get candles, and worship God together outside? Part of the coolness was they had a stage out there with a massive beam that like, you know, New Year's Eve thing. That was really cool. But the beauty of it was there was no other agenda than to sing and bring God our best. And so we all had our candles, all 60,000 of us. We were wrapped around the stadium, literally, because there's too many of us to stand in a small bunch spot. And we just started singing 
and worshiping God. And it was that simple. And here's the beauty of that moment. So we found out the next day the impact of that. There was no agenda. There was no goal. There was no creating anything. It was literally just a ton of people wanting to worship their God. That was that simple. And we were all singing. And we found out the next day that CNN had come and talked to Louie and his team and said, I don't know what you guys were doing last night, but people heard it all over the city. I don't know if you've ever been to downtown Atlanta near the, the convention center, near where the stadium was, near where CNN building is, but there's a lot of roads that kind of swerve around down there. It's a nightmare to drive, I'll tell you that. But here's what's cool happened that night. We started singing, and because of the way the structure of downtown was set up, our voices were being projected throughout all the streets of downtown. And people were hearing people worship God. And it was powerful because it went for miles. And they said, you don't realize the impact. We had people calling in going, what's going on? We hear this noise. And here was my thought this morning at last service. What if we lived in such a way that our lives reflected throughout Shelbyville the same way. That we lived in such a way to the response of God's love for us that it couldn't be helped but pour out through all the city streets, through the rooms, through the windows and doors, so people knew about God. I think that'd be an amazing thing because, folks, we talk about being all in, right? And here's the truth. We show others our real view of God by how we live our lives. So here's a sad story for you. <laughs> I had high school students over the other night. Yet Last service I used Kroger and I felt bad because I don't want anybody at Kroger to feel bad. So I'll use Pizza Hut, but this one's on me this time. So we had high school students over to do a Christmas movie night and Pizza Hut had brought our stuff, but didn't bring everything. And I had thought they had messed up our drinks, and so I, I made a phone call. And I said, hey, we didn't get all our food, and uh, the poor girl on the other side is like, we're like short-staffed. And I said, I know, I can't do anything about that, but I need my food. I got students coming over, you know, we need the food. We paid for the food. And she goes, well, I'll get it to you as soon as we can. She goes, that's not our fault. And I said, well, we wouldn't have this phone call if, it, if I would have had my food, though. So I, I won't go into everything. I wasn't, like, super rude, but I wasn't proud of myself moment when I got off the phone. And I've been in the food industry, so I know what it's like to receive calls. I was a manager at Hardee's, and I'll tell you, not everybody's real nice when it comes to food mistakes. So I have these students in my house. Most of them probably just heard what I did. And I looked at my wife and I teared up and I said, that's not how I want to live my life. So I called them back and, you know, they weren't super stoked that they saw my phone number probably on their screen. And I got the manager and I said, hey, I need to apologize. And she was, you know, she's being super gracious. 
She goes, no, don't worry about it. I said, no, I do need to worry about it. Because you didn't deserve that. And your staff doesn't deserve that. I don't care what circumstance it is. Why? Because I believe God loves me. And I want other people to know God loves them. And the characteristics of God or the non-characteristics of God come out depending how I live. And in that moment, I showed them who God was not. And I wanted to show them who God is. Why? Because the people in this community matter. Why? Because God always loves us. And he wants a relationship with us. So it weighs heavy. But here's how we need to go with this. The key question we're going to ask you every week, and we're hoping you would actually walk through this every week, is how should we respond to the love of God? Because every week, there's going to be a bug. That's Get out of here. Seriously, Satan. Hey, got him. Anyways. Nope, he's back. Not letting you stop me. You're going to distract me, but I'm not going to stop me. Anyways, how should we respond to the love of God? He's crafty, I'm telling you. He doesn't want us to know these truths, right? He doesn't want us to live these truths, right? He's going to send an annoying little bug in to mess me up. But I already told you your love, so that's all we really need today. But here's some ways to evaluate how we're doing together. Seriously, you're going down. Not there. He's not there. We talk as a church. It's going to sit on my head. Anyways, I'm sorry. I apologize. Seriously, I'm going to tackle it. Um, Because you need to see a dude like me jumping on the stage and flopping over. Anyways, jeez. This is the joke of God, I think. Like, let's have some fun with this dude today. Because he needs to wake up a little bit. So worship worthy of God. That's really why we're here, not to fly. Here's how we word it here. Time, talents, and treasures. These are a great way to evaluate where you're at with God. How you're responding to God's love for you. So here's what I want to share with you. Ephesians chapter 5 with time. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Well, The Lord's will is for you that you know he loves you and you respond in such a way that you show that. And part of that is giving God your time. Like now, if all honesty, you are doing that. And the reason a lot of you are here today is because you love God and you know he loves you. And so you said, I'm going to make this time a priority. And I'm going to give up this hour of my life, or depending how long the bug bugs me, maybe in two hours of your life. But I'm going to give this time to God to come worship him. 
So are you making that a commitment to come weekly? But here's the other thing with time. It's not just about right now. Time is an all-week thing. Romans 12, 1 talks about making it a lifestyle. And then we have talents. In 1 Peter chapter 4, it talks about each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of the God's grace in its various forms. If you don't know what your talents are, come talk to one of us on staff. We would love to help you figure that out and know what that looks like. But are you being who God wants you to be? That's the main question of that. Are you giving the God your best by living out who he made you to be? And then treasures. Philippians chapter 4. I have received full payment and have more than enough. Anybody really believe that? I struggle with that. If I'm going to name that today, like I don't always believe that my payment's full and I have enough. Like there's days I want more money, you know, and, and, and yet God still always provides. And I'm ample supply now that I've received from Aphrodite the gift you sent me. They are a fragrant offering, acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So my question for you as we start this new year is would you use these as a tool, as a way of evaluating where you're at with your relationship with God? Are you holding on to your stuff, whatever stuff means for you? Are you holding back from fully becoming who God wants you to be and has made you to be? And you need to step into that. Are you spending time with the God of the universe? If you want to really take that in, that has always loved you. Why? Because he deserves the worship worthy of the God of the universe. And nothing less. That's why he goes through in our text and talks about all these ways that they aren't living it out. Because he wants them to get it right. Why? Verse 14, for I am a great king and my name is to be feared among the nations. If we really want to impact this community the surrounding communities like we say we do and I believe in all honesty we do and we have to start here by saying do I really believe that God always loves me no matter what and if I do I'm going to respond by how I live my life then we will never see this room empty because God will use our lives to touch more lives, to fill more seats of people, to know him and have a relationship with him. And my prayer, honestly, is that someday, I'm not about numbers, so please don't hear this wrong. I just want people to know Jesus. And I would love to someday look at you all again someday and say, we can't fill this place. We gotta figure something out because there's so many people that know Jesus. How cool would that be? But it all starts with 
how we live our lives, a response to God's love. And he deserves the best, no matter our circumstances. Let me pray. God, we just thank you for who you are, and we thank you that you love us no matter what. We thank you that you show your love and show your greatness to so many people beyond our humanness. And I'm thankful I'm here because you showed your love to me. So God, help us as we go home today, next month, next year. God, as we take this month to really evaluate where we're to that question of response to how much you love us and that you always love us, God, I would pray that we would look at that and say, where can I grow this year? Where can I take another step in showing others that you really do love us all? And you always have, and you always will. In your name, amen. So we're going to do this beautiful thing called communion now. And this is actually a really cool tie-in to today because communion is another way of worshiping God, just like prayer or singing or reading our Bible or art. You know, dance, like all these forms are worship. And communion is another way of worship. Here's the beauty I love about communion with today's talk too. This is a beautiful resemblance of what he did with Israel, looking to the past, present, and future, where the communion reminds us the past of what Jesus did for us. We take it today remembering he loves us always, no matter what. But the beauty is we respond in our life by living in such a way that's worthy of him. So what we're going to do is we'll pray one more time. And then you guys are welcome to come partake in communion, remembering he always loves you. He always will. And will you respond to it living in such a way? Because he died for you. God, we thank you for this opportunity to worship you in this way. So now as we partake in communion, help us to remember what you did for us. Help us to remember you always love us no matter what our circumstances are. And God, help us live in such a way to resemble what you did for us on the cross with your body and blood. In your name, amen.